Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Have you ever wondered where the word mother actually comes from? It's kind of a strange word, really. Stopping, just saying it's kind of an odd word, right? But it goes back a long, long way. Spelling the word with the T-H in the middle of it, mother, actually only goes back to about the 16th century. But some form of a word similar to mother goes way back beyond that. And forms of that word, as you would expect, mean exactly what they mean even today. It's always had something to do with the female parent. But where most scholars suggest the word comes from, and I looked at several online dictionaries and other places, is actually what you might think. It actually, they believe, comes from one of the first sounds a baby makes. That mama sound is probably, over the years, has morphed into what we know as our word mother. And as you might expect, as we're going through our one words uh, throughout the year on Sunday nights, as you might expect with this being Mother's Day, our one word for this week is the word mother. And I love that the word mother, and as you expect in June, it just happens to be the third Sunday in June, the word father is the word for that week. But I'm glad that those words were included as we go through these biblical words throughout the year because they help us to see the teachings and the concept of those words, mother and father, beyond just those holidays, beyond just the the day, Mother's Day or Father's Day. And throughout this week, if you're using the devotional book, you're going to see devotionals that deal with that word, the word mother. And yes, those devotionals are written by a preacher you know pretty well who happens to be standing right in front of you tonight. But they are devotionals to help us see the concept of mother throughout the week. And so you may have found it strange when we read our scripture reading tonight, when we read from an Old Testament book, from the book of Judges, and also read at least a portion of the account that deals with a woman who, as far as we know, did not have children of her own. And I know sin is really pleased with me tonight to read those verses from Judges that had no difficult names at all throughout all those verses. I appreciate him doing a great job in reading those. When you think about the person of Deborah, one of the things that stands out about her is that though we do not know if she had children or not as far as physical children, she is called in Scripture a mother to Israel. And so we see some character traits in her that a true mother has. Whether or not she had physical children of her own, we see some things in her character. And if you have your Bibles open to Judges 4 and Judges 5, we're going to stay in those two chapters completely tonight to think about some things from her life and from her example that all godly mothers should have. In fact, really, all of us should have. But hopefully we'll encourage our mothers specifically tonight. First of all, I think we notice as we see some things about her that Deborah was respected. She was respected. Judges chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us two things about Deborah that make her stand out among the people of Israel at her time, but also 
that stand out among all women found in the Bible. First, we're told in that verse that she was a prophetess. Now, she's not the only one who carries that title found in Scripture. In fact, there are five. Besides Deborah, there are four other women who carry the title of prophetess. Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron. Anna, who's found in Luke chapter 2. In fact, we mentioned her just very much in passing this morning. A woman named Huldah in the book of Nehemiah. And in the unnamed wife of Isaiah is also called a prophetess. But the word prophet simply means one who speaks for another. You may have heard it described before as a mouthpiece, and that's a good way of describing it. A prophetess was just a, a female who spoke for another. So she was one of five as far as that goes. But then also we're told specifically she judged Israel. And that is the fact that makes her unique among all women in Scripture. Now, as I said, there are five women in the Bible who are called a prophetess. Deborah stands alone as the only woman in the book of Judges to be considered one of those leaders. And it's interesting to see how we're introduced to her by that very simple phrase, she judged Israel. Because when we read the book of Judges, we read about all these people, maybe study them in Bible classes and see these short biographies. Many of them we see were military leaders or at least fighting leaders. You might think of Gideon, Samson, and others. But the word Judges, as you see it in that Old Testament book, basically just means a deliverer. It did not have to be a military leader. And so when we see that Deborah judged Israel she probably was doing more what we think of when we think of a judge in our day and time, hearing cases, giving advice, that sort of thing. The people, were told in verse 5, came up to her for judgment. And so it seems that she was simply making decisions and leading the people in that, that uh, way, that fashion. And so you put those two things together. And you see that Deborah, at least as we're introduced to her, was possibly trying cases. At the very least, she was rendering judgment. But she was also doing so with some type of prophetic insight. And in all of Old Testament history, she stands alone in that way. But Deborah was respected because she was the leader that, that Israel needed at this time. Judges chapter 3 had in very quick succession shown us that God would raise up these leaders, raise up these judges. Three had done so, he had done so with three, I should say, in that chapter, Othniel, Ahud, and Shamgar. And each one led God's people in victory, brought rest to the land. But you remember how the book of Judges goes. It's that cycle we often talk about. The people would be faithful, faithful for a little while. They would fall into sin. They would forget God. God would deliver them over to a, a foreign land. They would be defeated they would have turned to God in repentance, and God would raise up one of these judges, but then again they would be faithful for a while and fall again. The cycle continues over and over. In my Sunday morning Bible class, we're just surveying the Old Testament. We studied Judges about a year ago at this point, but one of the things I mentioned to them, but if you read the book of Judges sort of in one sitting, which takes a little while, it's almost like you're reading a roller coaster. It's just up and down, up and down, faithful, lost, faithful, lost. It, it, it hurts to read. But it's interesting how the book of Judges chapter 4 begins. The first three verses of the chapter say, And the people of Israel again, and that's the key word really, again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ahud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he, that is this foreign king, had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly 
for 20 years. I should say the 900 chariots belonged to the foreign uh, army leader, not the foreign king. Now, Judges is a frustrating book, as we said. This cycle goes over and over again. But here you have a reference specifically to a king and his army leader. And that reference to 900 chariots of iron may not seem like a big deal to you and I, modern warfare, modern military. But when you think about that day and time, it was impressive. And when you think about the army this person had versus where, what the Israelites had to defend themselves with, it was intimidating. You still in Judges 4? This might be in the same opening or it might be one page over. If you look over in Judges 5 at the song that Deborah writes, notice what she says in verse 8. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? There's an army with 900 iron chariots. And Deborah, as she looks back on the victory that was gained, says basically, if you counted 40,000 of our army men, I'm not sure you could have found a spear or shield among them. That, were the, that was the odds that they were going against. It was a hopeless situation, militarily speaking. But Deborah was just the kind of leader that Israel needed at the moment because her focus was not on military odds and military strategy. She had the respect of the people at that time and led them to a great victory, at least in part. Mothers, can I suggest to you that the kind of foundation that gives true respect is the kind that looks around and sees what is really needed. Deborah was an amazing leader. We'll see that more in just a moment. But the fact that we're introduced to her when she is quote-unquote just trying cases or just rendering judgment, but doing so with prophetic insight, that's the key. She gained the respect of the people for that, and that led to her leading in so many other ways. Now, we don't have miraculous prophetic insight in our day and time, but we do have the wisdom of God contained in Scripture. Moms, if you want to have true respect from your children as well as from others, build your foundation in the wisdom and the insight of God. It may seem like a slow process. It may seem like one that doesn't yield results, at least in the moment. But over time, you're gaining respect because you're staying true to what is most important. Deborah was respected. In the second place, we also learn about her that Deborah was committed to real needs. We read that historical narrative, at least part of it, of what Deborah did in our scripture reading a few moments ago. But we get some of the setting and some of the mindset in the song that she wrote as she looked back. If you're in Judges, look again at chapter 5. And notice what she says in verses 6 and 7. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, and the travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose, and here's our phrase for our whole lesson tonight, as a mother in Israel. You look at what's going on, and you see that travel was unsafe. The villagers ceased to be. They didn't want to live in the city. They didn't want to go on the road. It was dangerous, to say the the very least. There was a terrible need, but Deborah was seeing that real need and was committed to it. I think there are a couple of things in those verses that help us to see her commitment to that. First of all, Deborah was critically or brutally honest about the situation. Sometimes we don't like to take stock of negative situations, do we? We like to see the positive, or we like to say this isn't really all that bad. And sometimes parents, sometimes mothers have to face the fact that things are not as good as we might like for them to be. But we we can't be overly dramatic 
But we also must be brutally honest. She was not afraid to say, this is the real need. This is the real situation. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But then also, Deborah was committed to making things right. When we do assess that situation, and we do see a lot of negative and difficult things floating around, it can be easy to just kind of cower down, go into a corner, and not really want to help the situation. But Deborah says, I arose as a mother in Israel. Even though things were dire and difficult, she was not going to sit idly by and do nothing. That's a powerful lesson there for all parents, but especially on this day for mothers. When you love your children, no doubt, sometimes, sometimes, That love can cloud an honest evaluation of a situation. How many parents excuse the behavior of their children because it's their child? This is my son, this is my daughter, and so I'm just going to lay back a little bit. But when a situation can honestly be, be evaluated, and there are things in it that are difficult or even wrong, a good mother is one that sees and meets those needs or is committed to the real need in the situation. Number three, We also see that Deborah was not afraid to ask for help. If you're going to look at the life of Deborah, you can't really do so without mentioning Barak or Barak. But notice how he enters the account. A very short phrase that opens verse 6. Deborah sent and summoned Barak. Deborah did that. She was a great leader. But God had chosen Barak to lead the military part at this time. She would still be, Deborah would still be a great leader. She would still be a great help to him, as we'll see in a moment. But she had her role and he had his. But still, she summoned him. She asked for help. Or we might say even, she asked Barak to fill his God-given mission. I like what one writer said about her summoning Barak. He said, quote, Deborah was a very realistic woman. Israel had a military problem, and she needed a military leader to do what she could not. Therefore, she recruited the man she needed by sending north for the best person she could find, a man named Barak. Deborah was wise enough to know the value of a team and perceptive enough to recognize both her own limitations and Barak's strengths. Now, I know then our politically correct self-starter, pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps world, you're not supposed to tell anybody that you need help. You're not supposed to ask for help for anybody. I understand that. But Deborah was nothing short of a phenomenal leader and still realized there's another role to be fulfilled here. And so I'm going to summon help. I'm not going to be afraid to ask for someone to fulfill that part of Israel's need. If you think about this for Mother's Day, Certainly in God's plan for the home, we must be reminded that God's plan for the home is for a child to be raised by both mother and father. Now, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes a father dies or a mother dies. or We understand that. But God's plan is for that, that home to have a mother and a father. But sometimes even in what we might call an intact home, I'm not a big fan of that phrase. We know what we mean when we say that. Even then, sometimes a parent is not willing to ask for help. We need to be willing to ask for help. It is hard raising children, amen? (laughs) It's not the easiest thing in the world. And we must be willing to say there are roles to define, roles to do that I cannot do or a mother simply cannot do fully. And by the way, when we fail to ask for help, we're also depriving some of our Christian brothers and sisters from being able to fulfill a God-given command. Specifically, for ladies, Titus chapter 2 and verse 4 says that older women are to help teach the younger women, among other things, how to love their husbands and to love the children. 
If we never ask for help, we could be depriving our our older members a way to serve in a God-given way, a God-commanded way to help us learn how to raise and love our families. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. Even the mother of Israel, Deborah, realized she needed help, and so she summoned for that help. But that help needed help. And so in the fourth place, we also see that Deborah was a motivator. Moms are able to motivate children, especially over the course of time. If you don't believe me, watch almost any sporting event whatsoever when someone actually scores. Dad has taken them to the ball practices since they were like in in the cradle. And yet they finally score a touchdown and they look at the camera and what do they say? Thanks, Mom. Really? Come on. There's something about Mom that just motivates our children, right? Deborah was a great motivator. It seems that Barak had the skills necessary to be a great military leader, but something was holding him back from fighting and really leading God's people into battle. And it's Deborah who stands behind him and motivates him to action. And she does so in three ways, if you look very carefully at verses uh, 6 and 7 of Judges 4. First, she pointed him to to God's command. In verse 6, she says to Barak, "'Has not the Lord, the God of Israel,' commanded you. By the way, some translations don't make that a, a question. Some of you are reading from a translation that make that a statement. The Lord God of Israel has commanded you. And it could be either one, by the way, in the Hebrew language. Sometimes people simply need to be reminded, simply but firmly, that something really is what God has said. If someone has a heart for God, that's motivation enough. But we need to remember, sometimes we need to motivate people in that way. This really is something God has said. But she also motivated him by reminding Barak of God's promise. In verse 7, it's Deborah who lays out God's military plan, not her own, his. This is a promised victory if they would simply follow to the plan that God had laid out in faith. You know, the promises of God are some of the most motivational things found in all Scripture. We need to teach our children the promises of God and teach them that God not only makes promises, but God keeps promises. That's a motivator. But then also she motivates Barak by simply being present. If you look in Judges chapter 4, you'll see verses 8 and 9 are very beautiful. Barak simply said, and I'm summarizing here, that he would go into this battle if Deborah would go with him. And Deborah answers, beginning of verse 9, I will surely go with you. That doesn't mean she's a military leader necessarily. But her presence was enough to motivate him, to move him. And so she agreed to go up to the battle site in order to help strengthen and motivate this leader and and the army. Moms who struggle sometimes to motivate their kids, here's your battle plan, if you please. Here's your outline. Tell them what the Bible says. Point them to the fact that God makes promises and God keeps promises and be present with them in both good times and bad. She was a motivator. And number five, what you expected we would say Probably throughout the lesson, Deborah was motivated on the Lord, focused on the Lord. We've basically said this throughout the lesson, and I'm sure you knew it was coming, but I want to end with this for emphasis. If we aren't careful, we can so focus on Deborah's leadership skills and elevate her to a level that, that would be wrong if we're not careful. But she's an amazing example, but what makes her example impeccable is that her focus on the Lord never wanes. You ready to look at some verses? Just take a moment and glance with me. We're not going to read all these verses word for word. But look at chapter 4, verse 6. She reminded Barak that the Lord had given him the task of being the military leader. 
chapter 4, verse 9. She stated that God would be the one to grant victory by sowing the enemy military leader, Sisera, into the hand of a woman. Chapter 4, verse 14, one of my favorite in this whole section. She tells Barak to go on and fight. Up or go, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. That same verse, chapter 4, verse 14, she said that God would be with Barak in this battle. Who gets the victory when the battle is complete? God. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Her song begins uh, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offer themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Chapter 5 and verse 3. To the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. We could look at others but without belaboring the point. Her song in chapter 5 also ends with words of trust in God. Chapter 5 and verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. But your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. Now you would expect a preacher to say this. But that's what made Deborah a great leader. But that's also what made Deborah prepared to be the mother to Israel. We must be focused on God at all times, both good and bad, in times of victory and in times of defeat. That's true of moms. That's true of all of us. If we want to lead children in the right way, that's where our focus must always be. It doesn't mean that things are always going to be smooth and easy. This was a battle after all. Where our focus is truly matters. A man named Leon Wood wrote a wonderful book. It's a very deep book, but I enjoy it greatly. It's called The Distressing Days of the Judges. And he wrote a very beautiful short summary of the life of Deborah. As he was drawing his thoughts to a close on on her life, he said this. He said, Deborah centered her thoughts in God and sought to exalt Him in her life and work. Thus, God could use Deborah in this critical time for Israel. I want to take that short quotation, that short summary, and turn it to a thought to encourage all moms. I think you're beginning to see the point. Moms call them in all sizes, all shapes, all hair colors, all skin colors. But moms who truly focus their hearts and lives on honoring God and instilling in the lives of their children the love of God, those moms are rare indeed. But if I may borrow from that quotation, when moms are centered on the ways of God, God will use a mom throughout the critical years of a child's life. And every year of a child's life is critical. When we're focused on God, God will help you be what your children need in each critical moment, each critical decision, and each and every day. Is it always easy? Of course not. But moms, that's where our fo- your focus must be. But for all Christians, that's where our focus should be. We're all leaders to a point. We have different roles we play. But in reality, tonight's lesson, we could take the mother's side of it out and change the application very easily, could we not, and make it for all of us. And simply say, if we are going to be there at critical times in anyone's life, we must be focused on God. Deborah was able to say, everything looked like it was falling apart. But I arose as a mother in Israel. May I suggest to you that our homes, our community, our nation, our world need Christians to arise, symbolically speaking, as mothers and fathers in our land. They need people who are focused on God and willing to stand for Him and tell people around them, up, because the battle is the Lord's. Just like Deborah told Barak. 
Our world needs people who are willing to say the battle has already been won if we will just simply do what God has told us to do. Tonight, may I simply ask this question. Is God the focus of your life? We don't know a ton about Deborah. She only fills a couple chapters. But everything we know about her tells us so much about where her thoughts were. And they were always focused on God from what we can tell from Scripture. Are your thoughts focused on Him? Moms, is that true of you? But all of us, whatever our role in life is, is that true of me? Is it true of you? Are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Christ, submitting your will to His, by being buried in water for the forgiveness of your sins, that act of baptism? If you have, tonight are you living with God as your focus? Is everything you do centered on Him so that whatever critical time in life you may face or those around you might face, you can help lead people in His ways? If not, we'd love to pray with you, encourage you, ask for forgiveness as such as necessary. But whatever you need is tonight, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.